He really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Figo. And then Ronaldo! Hello and welcome to episode number 21 of the Portuguese Football Show, brought to you by Prosima Jornada. I am Adam Barton. I'm joined by Philippe. Philippe, how's it going? I'm good, mate. All good. We- We've got an absolutely action-packed Premier League weekend. <laughs> I couldn't even get through that without speaking. It hasn't been the greatest of Premier League weekends. Myself and Philippe were talking off air before. Philippe, you actually had a, a fun statistic about uh, the, the weekend in Portugal this so week. This round of games was the one with the least number of goals, so 13 in total. And the most like fun thing in think about four of them was Porto against Tondela. So it could be even worse. Um, but the fun thing is the one before this one, so it was 14 goals and it was actually this round of games, but in the first, so like in a game day nine. So it's, it's mental when there was exactly the same games, there was 14 goals. A few months later, they play against each other and it's, even worse with 13. <laughs> <laughs> and what you've got to think is is quite a few of these uh, teams have changed managers, tried to change <laughs> formations, change structures. Um, they've had players come in and out, but seemingly nothing, <laughs> nothing has changed. <laughs> nothing changed. So I'll, I'll quickly just run through. Um, so Benfica and Vizela kicked us off uh, round 26 uh, with a 1-1 draw. Then Estrell beat Portimonense 2-0. Familicao drew 0-0 with Santa Clara. Uh, Passos won away from home at Aruca 1-0 uh, Beysad and Bovista played out another 0-0 <laughs> uh, Vittoria beat Maritimo 1-0 away from home and then as you say that the high scoring game of the weekend was Porto against Tondela which was 4-0 um, that was well 0-0 until the penalty and then the sending off and then second half sort of the floodgates uh, that looked as if it was going to be a low scoring game I mean the second the third and the fourth it all went in after like 70, 75 minutes uh, within a couple of minutes of each other. And then um, Gilles Vicente against Braga, which was 1-0. Uh, albeit, although it was a low-scoring game, it was a game I thoroughly enjoyed watching. And then the game that just rounded off our weekend there was uh, Sporting against Morinains, which was, a, for my money, a very, very good uh, watch in the in the, in the the first half. I enjoyed Sporting's right-hand side. Uh, the second half, I was... I was zoning in and out of the game a little bit, to be honest. But um, yeah, there was some some real quality on show, especially in that first half with them, which I'm sure Philippe will want, want to talk about and we'll, we'll get to. So a start for Marcus Edwards and um, it was a match in which he was able to not only show what he can do, but also prove it with, with some end product as well. He, he provided the assist for the first goal, which was a Slimani um, header. And that is fourth fourth goal in, in four games. He scored in all of his last uh, three games and provided an assist in that time as well. So um, the numbers are starting to uh, starting to add up for Slomani. He's starting to uh, look good, and um, and then the second goal was a was was a beauty. Was a real real beauty. A lovely flick from Marcus Edwards in the build up. Pedro Porro has managed to turn turn the defender inside out. Um, uh, take it down the right hand side and provide a brilliant cross and Paulinho. 
Uh, Paulinho did what any any old fashioned, what any proper number nine uh, would do, and that's that's be waiting in the right place to uh, smash it on first time. And then, as I say, the second half, it was it was a typical. It was a game where you're thinking, right, they've got the two 0 lead, try and get into cruise control, made substitutions. And one thing that I wanted to point on, Philippe, which is you, you probably um, probably be able to speak about a little bit as well, is it was only sort of a couple of months ago that you're talking about maybe Sporting's depth in sort of those attacking areas beyond the players who were starting, and when Pedro Gonçalves looked like he was maybe dropping dropping in form a little bit, and and then you look at sort of the lineup tonight and the, the team tonight, and you think. Slamani got a goal, Paulinho got a goal, Marcus Edwards got an assist. And then coming off the bench, you had the likes of Pablo Saravia, um, Nuno Santos coming on uh, at about around 70 minutes, Pedro Gonçalves coming on for Edwards. And all of a sudden you think maybe maybe those those winter additions, although they might not have hit the ground running straight away, they might actually um, you know, be fruitful in these last sort of games in the season because it does give that extra little bit of depth, especially when the legs get a little bit tired and and for all the talk about Pedro Gonçalves and about the sort of in and out of form and stuff, to be for someone like Marcus Edwards to be able to come in and 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 play well and you know take the pressure off a little bit off that front line and then someone like Slomani to come in who's basically just a was a replacement there for Thiago Tomas in terms of obviously not the same player but ones went to Germany to develop and and hopefully get more minutes and Slomani is a you know opposite end of the spectrum he's a thirty three year old who's been at the club who knows how to score goals and. As I say, he's got four in his last four. So, um, yeah, Philippe, what was your take on the game? And, and, and um, yeah, what do you reckon? To start by the, the second half, didn't make you look like a second half uh, sporting game from last season. I was yeah, I was watching a, the yeah. game in the second half <laughs> and thinking this was what they were doing last year, yes. which was I think I used before. I think I used the word typical. I yeah. said it was like a, it was like in ex- that title winning campaign where I, I think I said like took the foot off the or something, which is exactly what you th- the other than the games where they were sporting were winning, you know, sort of late on those games where they got themselves into cruise control first half, second half was just an exercise in let's be disciplined now let's. I'm yeah. sorry for interrupting, but yeah, I totally agree. No, no, it's fine. It's because there was exactly what I like. What you're speaking about, I was thinking about it, and and it's like it made me look like I was watching uh, a last season sporting game in the second half because, like you said, Morales ended up having nine shots, but most of them from outside the box. Um, most of them when players yeah. are already under pressure, so Sporting really allowed them to to have the ball in those in those areas. Again, with the subs, I think there was a play. I don't know if he's still not 100%, but I think in a game like this, in the new version of Sporting, I think he was missing in the second half, which was Daniel Braganza, because I think they needed someone to keep the ball a bit better, because every time Pedro Gonçalves had the ball or Sarabia had the ball, they tried to go forward very, very quickly. In a game like this, why would you want to break up the game? You should try to keep the ball and, and condense the the. the, the well, keeping more of the ball and moving forward with the Keep ball under control. Over. Yes, yeah. instead of there's not just, many players better than Braganza for that. Yeah, instead of just keep running with the ball and driving the ball forward. Um, in the first half, to be honest, I was watching and it was probably one of the best first halves uh, of Sporting this season. They played really, really well. It was obviously most of the game of of the attacks, and there was a statistics from the Portuguese TV where it was like around sixty five percent of the attacks were down to to the right hand side. But to be fair, it was when you have Porro, Edwards, um, 
Slimani making some runs into to that side as well, and if you need to to use because obviously on the other side, I think Sporting understands that because obviously if they have Paulinho from that left hand side, it comes a lot to the middle, so there's really no outlet or play to look forward in that area. And then you have Mateus Reis, which is a very good player, but he needs someone to have him a bit of support in front of him. So I think that's the idea of Sporting try to to come more to 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 the right hand side. But um, this Moreirense team, there's, there's, there's two players that I was watching today. One of them, they already thought, I think he, he deserves a different level. And and the other one, to be fair, was probably the first game where I really paid attention because he just joined in, in January when uh, Sapint went to, to, to pick him up from, from Turkey. Which one, one is the strike, Andrea Luiz. I, I can't actually like Andrea Luiz. I think he's very good at hold up the ball and, and play with... with if, if he has a team where players or the midfield are closer from him, I think will be very, very good because he was winning some duels against Coates, which everyone knows <laughs> it doesn't look very easy to be done. And then the other one is Jefferson, the, the center mid, um, that's up into work with him in the Turkish club. And now he's back uh, to, to Portugal. And, and I, really, I really like him. I think him and Ibrahim that didn't start this game, those two together with a player that I really, really like and he didn't play today. Um, which is Gonzalo Franco. I think those three in the midfield could probably be the best midfield that Moreirense has at the moment, but obviously Sapin doesn't um, <laughs> think the same way. <laughs> which he I guess have his is reasons. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's not much more to say about this game, to be honest, because yeah, the second half was, even though we understand there was the way Sporting play last year, ended up being a bit, well, not crazy <laughs> in excitement, <laughs> to be honest. He got the job done, though. I think, as you say, is doesn't have to completely, you know, blow your mind every single. And to be honest, it's not as if it was it was you know sort of ninety minutes of that. Was just, that first half was was excellent, and then I think it's a, it's a, you know it's a great trait to have. It's a great quality to have. Is if you can get yourself into the lead. I mean, as you say, it was a um, a really strong first half showing, and then. And equally as strong in different way, second half from Sporting in that they, they know how to close out a game and they did did everything that they needed to do. Um the a game which was which was solved by a very, very late winner. And that's the um, that was the Braga Gilles Vicente game, which was a battle between fourth and fifth. It was a battle between two sides who are well, one side who was used to being in this position in in, in Braga and then the other side in Gilles Vicente who were just having and absurd season and we've spoke time and time again we've picked out you know individual players whether it be Samuel Lino, Pedrino, Fujimot but just as a team the 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 performance and the fact that they were able to not only because it looked like it was going to end in a draw and then <laughs> Enrique Gomes comes on uh, he, if you're not following him on Twitter hilarious one of the funniest follows uh, they, I've only only we only followed him fairly recently it only took me six. It only took me six touches, and I won the strike to save the game. Uh, <laughs> thank me later, Gilistas or something like that. Um, but but he's put quite a few sort of tweets. He, he was literally on the pitch for a minute. <laughs> um, you know, he takes the ball, drives with it, and um, sort of gets himself to the center of the pitch and and just whacks one from distance. It's, More than the actual that ball so well though. Is, is oh, it, it's is so it clean. Good? The technique oh. is is unbelievable. Um, it, it, more than the results, more than the more than sorry, more than the performance, 
because obviously we'll, we'll get to the performance, but just in terms of what it means for Gil in terms of confidence, not that they needed any more confidence, but in terms of confidence, in terms of the fact that they're on course to have their best ever Premier League season, they've got, how many games have we got left now? Eight games, we're on 26 now. Um, they're on 45 points, and I think yeah. their best ever season is... 52. 52, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... I mean, I won't won't, won't jinx them, but um, <laughs> yeah, you you could you can definitely see that being broken, and and also the fact that it was a game against Braga, which means not only is it you know is it three points on the board, it's three points closer to Braga. They're now one point off Braga with, as we say, eight games to go. Now for Gilles to to qualify and to to finish in fifth place would be you know something special, but to try and go for that uh, fourth place. Would just be it's crazy, you know. Can you imagine you, it Jovi is, sent it in is. the in the group stage of the Europa League? It's yeah, crazy. same level as past Ferreira in a, in a playoff to the Champions League a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it is it is insane. And and to be honest, when when I think we had this discussion when um, when we were speaking about the coefficients, it, may, it might have been last year, um, and we spoke about. <clears throat> That's sort of trickle down effect, and the fact that if we can just get more teams sort of in Europe, and obviously we know what it might do to performances in the league and stuff, but just having that sort of exposure, the fact that there's the fact that Gil are even sort of in in the question, you've got people who are looking at this side who probably you know maybe last season or the season before they might not have even heard the Gil was saying. I'm talking yeah. people who aren't really attuned to, to Portuguese football, and but now there's this side that mainstream media. Outlets are now starting to, you know, look at this, look at this side that are playing good football. They're trying to play the right way, and the, and they're really, you know, getting people off the seats in Portugal to see them in European competition, and to go back to what I was saying about the coefficient, the fact that you're now not sort of scraping for these qualifiers in these early stages. That fourth places, that's your, that's a guaranteed group stage spot in the Europa League. It's, it's a, it's, it is, it's crazy, it's mad, and I don't want to put too much pressure on them because they won't be putting that pressure on themselves. I'm sure for all the, you know, for all that goes on in the flash interviews and stuff, I, I know for a fact Ricardo Suarez will just be saying, just enjoy it. Just take it game by game because after 26 games, we're on 45 points. We've conceded 25 goals so far this season, which is, I mean, only only the four teams above them have conceded, well, three teams above them have conceded less. They've conceded one more than Benfica, they've conceded six more than Porto, who were sort of, you know, on course to win the title. It is just absurd. And we haven't even got to the actual game itself and uh, how the game played out. But um, I'm sure you'll let us know a little bit about, about how you saw it. But I really enjoyed it. Braga started so well, creating so many chances that I thought, okay, um, they, they, eventually they'll, they'll be, be done with. Um, then I think... Braga, and, and to be fair play to them, I think I would do the same thing. Sometimes in these situations, I like to think if I was Braga in this case, what would I think? And and I think the idea of Braga was going in the game very, very strongly, try, try to score, and, and then start thinking about Thursday game against Monaco. Because right now, that will be their bigger game of uh, of the season so far. Which taking them to the last eight of the Europa League is, is an achievement in itself. Um, so I think that will happen. I think the first half was very, very pending for the side of Braga. Braga played really, really well. Vitinha, um, Vitinha is just a player that 
later on when we speak about the national team, I think we spoke about earlier in, in other podcasts and I think it's, it's just amazing. Um, and then in the second half, I think Braga, I, I think I don't think they came off the the, um, the team talk to, I don't think Carvalhal said, let's drop down a bit and start resting our legs and think about next next game. But I think the players naturally start doing that. And, and in the second half, Silvicen played way better, was able to control the game um, a bit better. And then the goal just comes from, like, <laughs> I think Enrique Gomes can try that another 10 times and he might not score. A million times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe no insane and he might get one in 10. But no, in a game at that moment, in a game of that magnitude, Against that opposition, no, you, you, it's just it's incredible. A, yeah, but for me, the, the moment of the game is um, a ball from, I don't know if you remember, I think it might be like 20, 15 minutes to the end of the game, a ball where Fujimoto plays it through in the middle of three Braga players to somewhere Lin, and then Lin tries to dink it over the keeper and he just misses the target. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. ball from Fujimoto is just unbelievable. It's just messy style, isn't like it? Yeah. Because you, <laughs> yeah, it is. You, it you can you just see breaking up lines with one simple ball, and you just think, "Oh my god, that's this this." Fujimoto and Pedrinha just I don't I don't know what to say. They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. He's so what what always take what always takes me. I mean, we we've probably spoken about Fujimoto more more times than maybe any other player on the podcast this this season. But it still baffles me that he's twenty. Uh, 22 years old like he, like he 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 plays with like such a, as you say then at times it seems like he's got eyes in the back of his head he's so aware of what's going on of his surroundings then on top of that yeah you, know, you can be the most aware player in the world but if you haven't got that that sort of technical ability to be able to break the lines with passes and and actually do the right it's it's okay thinking about what you want to do but then executing it it does feel like he's sometimes two or three steps ahead um and, and he yeah, always I, in I, the same in the same type of areas. Like he's always receiving. If you pick up um, the the clips from this season, and you just pick up Fujimoto in the final third. Like he always picks up the ball in that side, like in the middle spaces um, from just off the the right hand side of the of the the, the opposition center mid because he receives it in the space between center mid where he's, he's not close enough from the center back that the center back will come out and press him. He's too far away from the full back or wing back because obviously they have Morillo or whatever who plays on that side from, from Gil Vicente. So he's always received with space because then if the center mid like yesterday, Al Mujrati, if he would go with, with Fujimut, then there's a, a ball straight to, to Fran Navarro that is so well as well to, to drop in and, and link up play. So that little like little details are so well worked that it's, mm-hmm. well, that's the job of Ricardo Suarez to be honest. Yeah, I mean, and and yeah, we we put enough praise on the players, but what a what a job he's doing, um, and then we'll go from one manager who's impressing to another manager, a manager who seems to be adding more and more strings to his bow, and and um, he was he was praised a lot for his his uh, his man management, especially when it was players that he he got along with and getting the best out of these players, and that's Sergio Conceição, but he's he's um. He's, he's even though he's he's managed to win titles, it still does feel like his name is maybe the hottest it's been, uh, especially with the international press for 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 maybe his 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 time at Porto. You know, now that he's got that sort of mix of being able to play youth, being able to you know play with discipline, being able to be a bit more creative, and maybe 
this you know he's got this Porto team being a little bit more well rounded. He's now broken the club record for the longest streak of games unbeaten, uh, fifty four games, which is just uh, that's just a league by the way. It's not like Europe or uh, domestic cup competitions, but an incredible statistic. Um, a manager who's constantly linked away. Uh, and he's been getting linked away more and more and more, uh, especially after you know Porto playing Europe and the the international media like to do their write ups about how he's moving to this club and that club and and um, but for a manager that split opinions and he did split opinions amongst the Porto fan base, especially in the early days, despite being a you know a, a Porto man, a former player, um, a four 0 win, another uh, a penalty. A Mediterranean penalty, and then a sending off for Tondela sort of killed the game off, and then Porto go and score, um, three late goals to completely sort of seal the uh, seal the deal. One from Galeno, one from Fabio Vieira, and the other one from Sergio's son. Uh, she managed to get himself on the score sheet as well. So they're now on seventy points. Um, Porto. I I think I asked you this maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not sure whether you give me an answer. But I think you might have said we'll we'll have to see. Twenty six games gone, uh, <laughs> six point gap. Are we still? Where, where where are we? Where are we sitting? Before well, before replying to your question, because predictions eight games pre- like with in advance is, is too much for me. Um, yes, but yeah, it is. Much, it's way too much. <laughs> but this Sergio Conceição team is the best. Porto team, in my view, since André Villas-Boas team, by far. I think he's better than Vitor Pereira. I think he's better than, well, Lopetegui had some some good moments, to be fair, even though he didn't finish very well. Um, and Sergio Conceição already won other titles at Porto um, before this probable one as well. Um, but yeah, and, and this comparison is like is a team that, if people don't remember, he won obviously the league and the Europa League. Um and he had Hulk, where now Sergio Conceição has Pepe. <laughs> he had Falcão, where now we have Taremi. He had uh, João Moutinho, and now you have Otávio. I like Otávio, but he's, he's <laughs> he could no, never no, no. <laughs> miles away from from Moutinho. Um, so it's just incredible. And I think even when everyone thought Porto would drop quite a lot when the Luis Diaz left, you don't really see that much, to be honest. Um, in some moments where a little bit of creativity is missing, then you see maybe that game against Lyon with Luis Diaz would be different because Luis Diaz has just that natural ability to create something out of nothing. But in terms of how the team plays, there's no much difference, to be honest, and they're still doing so, so well. In terms of predictions, I think obviously, I don't think it's done yet because if Porto still needs to play Benfica, they need to play Braga, they need to play Vitoria. So there's still some difficult games ahead and with eight games to go. Especially, like I said a few weeks ago, if they go far or further away, so if they beat Lyon and then go through, let's say, semifinals, there's still an extra five games. And then obviously there's still the second leg of the cup against Sporting. And you see, not in this game, because this game, like you said, after the, the sent-off, it was kind of done. But to be fair, Tondela done a very good first half. So I think mm-hmm. we should we should praise them yeah. on their first half. Yeah, it was very, very yeah. good. Um so you didn't see too much on the second half of this game, but if you think a game against Moreirense, for instance, where you could see the last few minutes of Porto were very, very tired. Um, so I think they might still lose points 
until until the end of the season. So as long as Sporting keeps winning their games, I think we still have a race on. If Sporting loses or draws the game and Porto wins that game day, then then yeah, will be will be done. But you, yeah. I have a question for you. I'm not going to say the same question because I don't want to be repetitive. My question for you is, do you think they can go unbeaten? Because we, can, we should start talking about it. It's eight games to go and they haven't lost in 54. I think I think they can. I think they can go unbeaten. I'm not saying that they will. It, again, you'd have to factor in Europe. You'd have to factor in... Um, yeah, sort of this fatigue that you see creeping in, and this at this point of the season, this is where game management comes into it, and also sort of player management, making sure you know can can they try and kill off the game as early as they can and get players rested and bring in, say if someone like Fabio Vieira doesn't start, bring him in. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. I think they can do it. I don't think they're going to go ahead and win every single game. I can see Porto dropping points between now be end be now and the end of the season, but. I don't know. There's something about them this season that just makes me think they won't um, they won't suffer a defeat. But they'll probably get beaten that first game now after uh, against Bolvi Easter in the league. So and you're gonna have a lot of hatred from Porto fans if that happens. I was mate. gonna say, yeah, <laughs> uh, if Porto supporters are listening, then you know I am sorry. But um, I'll say, not saying that they will, but it's definitely a possibility. If I didn't think they would, I wouldn't say. I think this team have just got character, and we were speaking about Contessao. Then it's something that. You know, it sort of stems from him, and the fact that he's been able to amass, you know, not the most, not the most talented side in the world, but slowly but surely, you're seeing more and more players with sort of quality come into the side, and the depth has got there a little bit in terms of options he can bring off the bench, and you know, it's still, you were reeling off some of the names from that 2011 Andre Villas team before, and. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, to be honest, I thought Sporting would go unbeaten last season, and then I predicted they would, and then they lost. So they think I might do the same thing again this year. Imagine, yeah, I was going to no say winning, they, they, no winning it, a yeah. league twice uh, in a row to their big of rivals, but at least making them not go or be Ruining unbeaten is it's uh, <laughs> yeah, would be a nice they, story they actually. <laughs> Benfica game was was to be honest, I did I only saw. Uh, the highlights of it, but went one nil down. Uh, and Nicho Raúl scored the equaliser, which was his first goal. He was on the only on the pitch for a matter of seconds as well. So and, and great if, to see. Just sorry to interrupt. Regarding Enrique Raúl, if like if you watch Portuguese football, but you never really heard about this name before, that's absolutely fine because obviously he's, he's, he was one of his first games for for Benfica. But he's a uh, well, he's a youngster coming from Madeira. Since he arrived at Benfica, I think he arrived when he was 15. In Since he arrived until, well, the game, until he played the first game for the Benfica, first team against Sporting, I think, for the Tasta Liga, he was when, when he first played. He scored 92 goals in, in youth <laughs> in six years, which insane. is insane. So he's, he's very, very yeah. good. Um, he's much more of a striker than what um, Gonçalo Ramos, for instance, is. Gonçalo Ramos is half like a... Number nine, alpha ten, alpha even plays a as one of the center mids when when yeah. when when Tarabat was was sent off. Enrique Araujo is just a, a number nine. Is is going to be so so Classic good. Number nine. Yes, it just yeah. the way Healthy he moves. Boss, he reminds me. Well, he's not a Benfica player, and, and and he's got a lot of goals against Benfica. But for the way he plays, he's very like Lietzen style. Um, like very very good, very very good. So definitely to worth to, to keep an eye. 
those who watched Benfica's UEFA Youth League uh, campaign where they went to the final, he was heavily involved in that. He assisted a goal in the final against Real Madrid. They ended up losing uh, 3-2, I think, in... Yeah, it was normal time. Yeah, he assisted, I think it was the second goal, and he scored in the group stage as well against uh, against Zagreb. But that was one of the first times, because I hadn't really saw him in action before that, and I know he's played a mix of the under-19 games for, in the youth league and, and obviously with the B team as well. And, um, yeah, he looked really sharp, even in that, even in that final. Um, obviously, Benfica couldn't you know get it over the line and win it, unfortunately, but... Definitely one to keep an eye on, and, and and one I'll be paying more attention to. It's always good when you see, you know, a Portuguese player get a get, get a chance and to in, want to make an impact. And in this game, he, he has one after the equalizer, where he has like in a very short amount of space, um, he, he takes dribbles past three Vizela players, and and he's shot in the last moment gets blocked. But um, yeah, you just see that little uh, short skill to take players on, and and that confidence. It's it's just it, I just really really like him. Definitely, definitely want to look out for. But yeah, an early red card for for Benfica again. It was after five or six minutes, so it was, um, it was never going to be the uh, the you know the best game in the world for 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 either side to be honest. And a point was shared at the end of it. A, a quick roundup from our Portuguese abroad. First of all, a striker. You probably think I'm going to speak about that striker. I'm not. I'm actually going to speak about another striker. Uh, congratulations to Andre Silva, who manages to uh, who managed to get to 50 Bundesliga goals with his uh, with his equaliser for Leipzig the other day. Leipzig then went on to to win the game very very comfortably. But 50 uh, Bundesliga goals, and he's started to find his feet a little bit more in 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 recent games. Obviously, banging them in so so frequently for Frank Firth in the previous season. But he's um, he had a goal and assist against Hanover in the cup. And then he scored in Europe in the 3-1 win against Sociedad. He scored against Bayern Munich a couple of weeks ago. He's he's now on 10 Bundesliga goals in 18 starts this season. So he's starting to find his uh, feet. I'll let you introduce the next uh, the next segment of the Portuguese abroad because I think I know who you're going to go to. Actually, I'm going to surprise you, you as well, mate. Yes. <laughs> go on. You brought go on. the surprise, I bring one as well. So he's a striker. <laughs> he's still not the one that everyone will be thinking about. He's actually a player that doesn't live too far away from me. Um, really nice lad as well. And he just got nominated for the best player of the championship last month, which is Lucas João for, for Reading, which, again, in a, even in a season that Reading is doing really, really bad. If you follow championship football, you'll know they, they're fighting for not go down. But another season where it shows that is in England, plays in the second league, but he could easily be playing for Braga, maybe be a squad player for one of the big three because he's a really, really good striker, to be honest. I see. Surprise yeah. you a bit. That was a good... Yeah, I like that surprise. He's on a good run of form. And he was... He, do you remember the, the period he had last season? It was around... Every November, season he feels December. like he has like a couple of games where he just bangs, bangs, this bangs, man. bangs, bangs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think in, I, th- I remember th- you can probably go back and listeners, you can probably go back and literally just filter the tweets with Lucas João. I think it was round about was either October or November and then it went into the next month. So it was either October to November or November to December. And he went on this run where he was literally scoring. It felt like he'd be scoring twice a game, like just constantly yeah. hitting braces. Um, and, and and it seems this season in the last couple of games as well, just looking at some of his numbers here, hasn't didn't score in his last uh, in his last two, but then yeah, his last six games got a goal against Coventry, two goals and an assist against Preston, a goal against Birmingham, a goal against Blackpool, uh, 
and as you say, in most of them games, Reading uh, are, are on the losing side. Um, so he's trying. He's trying to, uh, <laughs> he's to, trying to his best. Into his best. Yeah, he, he is. He is. But they um, they're in a bit of a in a bit of a tough spell at the moment. They're twenty first in the league. They've got four points above Barnsley, so they're four points off the drop zone. But that will be if they don't go down that'll be the place that they finish because I mean Hull above them are on 38 points yeah. Reading are on 29 so they're, they're, they're not going to catch Hull but it's just making sure that either Barnsley or Derby or Peterborough don't um, don't swap their place for uh, for Reading but we'll we'll see yeah we placed quite a lot of attention on uh, Reading I think it was a lot, wait, last season might have been the season before when Josie Gomes was there as was the manager there, yeah. and and he had don't... such a good start I like their fans absolutely loved them. They actually had something at Reading called Portugal Day, where <laughs> they invited the players. Sorry, they invited the supporters to celebrate basically a day of the Portugal at the stadium. They all brought flags. They were all wearing like Portugal shirts, like shirts of just random Premier League clubs that they could find. They all had flags. It was amazing, and and it was all because of how much they 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 loved the manager. And then obviously things turned towards the end, but. Um, yeah, definitely a club we focused a little bit on in yeah. the last couple of years. And for again, obviously now for Portuguese abroad, still not the person that you think. I'll, I'll leave you. You're leaving <laughs> I'll leave the last. main man for you. Now, my next highlight is João Félix. Um, yeah. it's, it's it's been his last seven. He has seven in seven goal participation. So in the last seven games, he has seven either goals or assists, and he scored another one Fire. on the weekend. He just probably in his best form since he arrived at Atletico um, and obviously he's works out really well because obviously in a couple of weeks we might need him uh, as best as we can so glad that he's yeah. finally hitting the numbers and, and the performances that we all know how what he can do and then of, yeah. and then obviously for Atletic fans ahead of their many United game as well um, it's, it's always good to see yeah he is he's in he is. He's in red off form, and for a player, I absolutely love Chihuahua Felix. I love the way he plays. I love the way he captivates the the you know the the crowd when he plays, and he's he is a joy to watch. The thing that strikes fear into me every single time I praise him is he gets injured, <laughs> literally, honestly, and 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 as you as you said there, if you sort of put the correlation together between this is probably his best run of form, and it's because he's allowed to go and play. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games without, uh, you know, injury or if he's missing a game, it might only be one game here or there. We've had so many where he's he's played say four or five games and he might have scored three or four goals in that period, and you thought yes, he's on it, and then you know, muscle injury, ankle injury, whatever it may be. But Joao Felix is is yeah, he's he's on his day. He's an outstanding talent. And they playing against a, a lad that had a, a quite decent weekend, I would say. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He, he yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he did okay. He did okay. Um, the main man, Cristiano, coming into form, bang on time. <laughs> he, 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 I think Ralph Ranić actually said something quite funny in the, in a, in his press conference because there was all the talk about, you know, this hip flexor injury and is he actually injured or is he being taken out of the squad? You know, they need someone who could press and blah 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 and all that stuff. And then it, it turns out that he's he's been in. 
uh, in Portugal recuperating. And I think Ranić said maybe that's a tactic we'll do going forward. We'll let him have three days in Portugal, uh, two days off, tra- uh, two days in Portugal, two days off training. And he comes back. So he comes back and does that. Then, <laughs> um, yeah, he was, yeah, he, he was, he was outstanding. He was outstanding. I, I, um, I watched the game and not only the not only the goals, I thought his, his overall his all round play was was good. He was dropping deep, linking up, um, playing nice one twos. I mean, Cristiano does what Cristiano does, and that's not only scored a hat trick in a you know in a sort of meaningless game, scored a hat trick in a in a game that was end to end. It might be key for finishing top four. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a game where so much was spoken about. Harry Kane at the start of the season and you know is he the man that people want to spend money on and, and go forward and and he's he's you know 28 years of age and then there comes Cristiano who's nearly 10 years older and comes and does his thing which is great to see um yeah and you can see how much even at 37 how much it still means to him to be honest that trip to Portugal is still in the world of good <laughs> I think we all need to take two yeah. days in Portugal to the refresh, same. to be Every honest. time I go to Portugal and I'm back, I feel energised. Yeah. We were going to cover a little bit on the Sell Us Out, but because we love you so much and we love our listeners so much, we decided it deserves its own podcast. It's, and the announcement is being made on Thursday, if yeah. I'm right. Yeah. It's usually around like two o'clock, I think. I don't know what the exact time is on Thursday, but we'll definitely tweet it out um, the, the and tweet a link to it, as we usually do, and also post the team once it's been announced, uh, the squad rather. So Friday, we'll be talking about key omissions, obviously players that we know won't be available for Turkey, um, looking to the game, who might be starting, uh, all that good stuff. We'll cover the sell us out on Friday. We're not going to speak too much about it because uh, then there'll be no point listening. <laughs> right. Um, so that is all from us. Episode 21. We've actually got uh, a really exciting podcast coming out. An anniversary special on Huban Amarim, which is all done and ready to go out. Um, it'll come out shortly after this podcast. And... Um, yeah, we've got quite a few things coming up in the next couple of weeks. Say so we've got the Sell Us Out podcast coming on Friday as well. So lots of content coming your way. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. Um, there'll be loads of stuff going up on the Patreon, which I'm going to be giving a lot more attention over the next couple of weeks and and hopefully months and see it grow and grow. So if you want to, uh, to give us a go, then by all means, our Patreon link is on our Twitter or you can type into Patreon at Prosima Jornada and it should come up straight away. We got tiers on there for as low as two or three euro a month. So, um, yeah, I was going to say the price of a cup of coffee, but the way inflation's going, it's less than a cup of coffee. So, uh, if you can give us a go, that would be great. If not, there'll be loads of stuff coming out on uh, on all your streaming services as well. So, Philippe, thank you. I'll see you on Friday. See you Friday, mate. That's all from us. Take care, and we'll see you on Friday. <laughs>